0: Travis, the time has come.
1: What time?
0: To learn about my girl, Emily Post. It's Schmanners!
1: (laughs) Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy.
0: And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy.
1: And you're listening to Schmanners.
0: It's extraordinary etiquette for
1: ordinary occasions. Good morning, my love.
0: Good morning, dear. How are you? I'm well. How are you?
1: I'm good. It's a nice, relaxed, rainy Sunday morning here in the Ohio River Valley. Sure is. And you know... I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on my NPR voice.
0: <laughs> please don't. It's uh,
1: we had a lovely baby shower can yesterday. You, can
0: you take that voice off, please? I wish I could, but the no. voice has become me now. No, you have to I take am it become
1: off. the voice. I don't like and, uh, it. And we're so this is um, we're recording way ahead of time. Like I said, it's Sunday. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there will be big etiquette news over the next couple of days. Ooh. But don't be thrown off if it doesn't come up in the show. Um, and, you know, to try to accommodate the shooting schedule of the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show, we're going to give you a couple biography specials. Uh, we've done one or two before. We talked about Evander, the King of Dudes.
0: And we talked about Lepetamine. We
1: talked about Lepetamine in our, uh, in our Max Fun Drive uh, special. And this time we're talking about someone who's very near and dear to the show um, maybe Teresa's greatest inspiration and hero <laughs> in life um, but one of our greatest resources for this show and we reference her just about every episode Emily Post yes I I'm so... Emily Post is a figure to me that like I hear reference all the time. I know that there have been what like seventeen, eighteen different versions of her guide to etiquette that have come oh, out.
0: So many more,
1: really? Yes. And like <laughs> I, but I, there's a part of me, and I, I imagine I'm not alone in this, that until we started doing this show, assumed that she was not real, that she was like Betty Crocker or, or like a
0: Dear Abby or something. Yeah,
1: that it was like almost like an amalgamation of people like that just put on a name that they used to like publish books and give advice she is a real person right well
0: no not anymore because she's dead well
1: she was a real person i guess i should say she's a real human being who lived in the world yes what's her deal like
0: well let's start at the at the beginning please a
1: very good place to start
0: So Emily Post was born in Baltimore, Maryland on maybe October 3rd or October 27th. Wait. Or October 30th, maybe in 1872 or perhaps
1: 1873. Okay, wait. This is not doing (laughs) much for my was she a real person question. What's the confusion?
0: There are several different reports, and I I think at that point... It's probably hard to track down. It was um, just after the Civil War, um, and
1: she was born just after the Civil War. Yeah, man, that was a long time ago. I'm gonna show my hand on ignorance on a lot of this because, like, if you had told me she was like born in 1960, I would be like, okay, <laughs> like I know. <laughs> anytime BT before Travis is like just shrouded in mystery and fog for me.
0: So yeah. I mean, it's not like her birth certificate doesn't exist, but I, I do imagine it's fairly difficult to track down.
1: I mean, that's probably... Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, so it's, it's a little contested. Um, I believe that her website... Says 1873. Now, then there are I'm going other to assume here 1872.
1: I'm going to assume here that you mean the website about her and not the, her website. The that she Emily started.
0: Post Institute. Got it. Website. Um. So she was born into privilege. Uh, she was the only child of a Baltimore architect named Bruce Price, and then his wife, um, obviously.
1: Yeah. Unless <laughs> we're dealing with like a junior situation here.
0: And um, so, even though she was born in Baltimore, Maryland, very shortly after she was born, they all moved to New York City, where, you know, they were part of the high society scene, mingling with the Roosevelts and the Astors and JP Morgan and the Vanderbilt. So, like, she was all up in that, that really great high society All that life.
1: big money names that we all know about.
0: Right. Um, she was educated by governesses and then later private schools in Baltimore and New York. Um, and again, just showing that privilege there. She spent summers at Bar Harbor in Maine and Tuxedo Park in New York. and, and uh,
1: Tuxedo Park where tuxedos were invented. No. No, that's real. No, that's what, real. Really? Remember from our Evander episode, we talked about, like, that he wore the jacket. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, Tuxedo Park is where tuxedos get their names. Where did Tuxedo Park get his name? Nobody knows. Nobody knows.
0: Uh, but um, Bruce People Price. People might know.
1: What I should say is, I don't know.
0: Bruce Price was actually involved in the planning and building of uh, of Tuxedo Park. It's all
1: it's all wheels within wheels, baby. It's it all is. connected. It's
0: all connected somehow. Um. So she was still, she was in the life of the debutante, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of era. Um, And at her debut season, which I believe you get three seasons as a debutante. I don't know. We
1: should do a whole episode about what that means.
0: We should. I believe, I believe you get three seasons as a debutante and after three seasons you're an old maid.
1: We should do this. We should do like a debutante episode or like. We could tie in, like, Cotillion and Year, all the cut, Sweet Sixteen, all, like, the coming out parties, you know, the debut parties. I would love to know about that stuff. I don't have any concept of that.
0: Mark it down. We shall do it. Done. Um, she met Edwin Post.
1: Now, that last name definitely sounds familiar. Perhaps foreshadowing. Do they end Ooh. up together?
0: Um. And they met at a ball uh, at a Fifth Avenue elegant mansion.
1: Yes, of course. That makes sense. And they met at a Denny's. They really hit it off over a plate of eggs.
0: And she went on to marry him.
1: <gasps> Spoiler.
0: Um, so they had a, f- a fashionable wedding for the time. And they toured the continent on their honeymoon. Um, and then they settled in New York, in uh, New York's Washington Square. Uh, but they also had a country cottage in Tuxedo Park, which she loved to visit. Again, because she was pretty well off. The sad part is it didn't last very long. The marriage. Um, she they did have two sons together, Edwin Main Post Jr. and Bruce Price Post, um, but the couple divorced in 1905. Well. I want
1: you to know that just given the time period when you said it didn't laugh last, I figured there was a chance it was divorce. But there's also a much bigger chance that he died. I it's mean, a, it was a very tumultuous time as far as deaths were concerned.
0: I mean, he certainly did die before her. We'll get to that.
1: Okay. Um, Ooh, foreshadowing.
0: But uh, apparently, it was a very scandalous divorce. Ah. Uh, it was uh, all over the New York papers. Um, because he had had affairs with oh. chorus girls and up-and-coming Edwin. actresses. I know. And, and all of you this can. came out because he was blackmailed. What? Because of the affairs. I know. This is, like,
1: actually interesting. When you <laughs> said it was scandalous, I was like, oh, because they were rich. And i like, no, no, no. I there know. was a whole thing. And she said, there must be a better way. I will teach people to be better. Is uh, that what happened?
0: No, oh, okay. not at first. Um, so once her sons were old enough to attend boarding school, they did that, and she began to write. Um, and Now, she, she
1: would have been around what age at this point, hypothetically?
0: Um, well, uh, let's see.
1: If she was born in 72 or 73... And it's 1901?
0: 1905 is when they got divorced.
1: 1905. So she would have been, what, 30-something? 30 33? 30-something, 30 depending on what year yeah, she was Yeah, but let's
0: see. If the youngest son, Bruce Price, was born in 1895, how old do you have to be to go to boarding school? Five? Six?
1: Sure. I, was, I don't know much. But so her son would have been born when she was around 20, 20-ish.
0: So, like, I mean, it looks like... He, the younger boy would have been 10 when they got divorced. So that's, I think that's just about right. Probably yeah. the same time they got divorced was when they, they left for boarding school. Yes. Right. So when when they left for boarding school, she began to write. And it really was, I don't want to say out of necessity, um, but she did have to supplement her income because really? she didn't ask for any money in the divorce. Um, apparently, That's interesting
1: considering the fact that like he seems to be so at fault here.
0: Well, she it was really out of compassion that she didn't ask any money because he lost almost everything in a stock market crash at the time.
1: Oh, yeah. That whole thing. That whole thing right there at the beginning of the 1900s. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So she used the writing to supplement her income. Um, she came from money, so it's difficult to say exactly how much the writing was a necessity and how much it really was just as a supplement.
1: Yeah. But I'm sure that there was a certain amount of like once, I don't know that much about turn of the century marriages, but I imagine there was a lot of like, once your child was married off, especially a daughter to a rich man, Mm -hmm. you kind of went like, cool, cool. You're fine. I don't need to like pay. I don't need to like provide an allowance for you anymore.
0: Well, but part of a dowry can be, a sum a year yeah. instead of just one lump sum. True. It would depend on how it was all set up. Um, So she actually began writing romance stories. Um, very
1: mannerly romance stories. which <laughs> Everyone was very, pl- I would like to kiss you, please. Yes, thank you.
0: And uh, they appeared in several popular magazines and then later in a book. She also became a traveling war correspondent. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: That's very interesting.
0: So here are the names are a couple of those uh, of novels. Her first one was The Flight of a Moth, published in 1904.
1: How poetic.
0: Which is about a young American widow attracted to a crooked Russian nobleman.
1: (sighs) Oh, like a moth to the flame. I bet that was a whole motif.
0: Um, and so she wrote novels for about fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she decided that she wanted to do something else.
1: Wait, she wrote novels for like fifteen years, yeah, like a long time. yeah, okay. Um, see, because I was expecting you to say that, like she wrote a couple, but they never did well. And so she started writing and answering advice for manners, and that took off. But 15 years is a pretty long time to write novels. Yeah. I mean, not, not as long as some people's careers, but I just mean before switching to a whole new thing.
0: Um, kind of a transitionary period for her was uh, in 1916, she published a book called By Motor to the Golden Gate, which is a... a Recount of her road trip that she made from New York from San, made from New York to San Francisco with her son.
1: And now, listen. When we started talking about it, and you said you were going to do a bio of Emily Post, I was like, okay, that'll be cool. Everyone will be very interested. I was not expecting that. Like you, we started exactly how I expected. From privilege mm-hmm. of this, and then it's like scandalous divorce. And she was a war correspondent. She wrote romance novels, and she drove across the country like. She had a lot more adventure in her life than I expected.
0: Surely did. Surely did. How has no one made an Emily Post movie yet? (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's a lovely book out. Um,
1: Books are movies, though. I mean, movies are super cool, and books are for nerds.
0: A biography book. Books are not for nerds. And I'll go through some of the the most interesting points from that biography. Okay. Later. Oh wait, I need to tell you. I promised I'd tell you about how she how her husband died. Correct.
1: Yes, please. Not like I'm super hungry for Edwin's death. I'm just curious. Now you got me on the hook. Just reel me in.
0: I'm not exactly certain when he died, but he did drown in a sailboat accident in Fire Island Inlet in New York.
1: Wow. Ooh. Listen, I'm not at all going to celebrate a man died. That's very sad. I'm just saying that it's just the pieces keep falling into place for a very cool movie. Oh.
0: All right. So, the etiquette book.
1: I would like to pitch a title for the movie I just thought of. Okay, what is it? Postmodern. <laughs> just think about
0: it. I will. Okay. I think that the, what you had imagined beforehand, the etiquette book, Uh huh. that happened in 1922. It was called Etiquette, colon, In Society, In Business, In Politics, and at Home.
1: Wait, 1922? Mm-hmm. And she was born in 1870 something? Mm-hmm. So she was like 50 when she wrote her first etiquette book?
0: Yep. Wow.
1: Okay. And it
0: topped the nonfiction bestseller list.
1: That's amazing.
0: And it is where the phrase, according to Emily Post, okay. soon entered our language as the final word on the subject of social conduct.
1: Okay, listen. This is, again, what you see him sometimes on Facebook of the, like, his coach told him he never amounted to anything. He was cut from three basketball teams. It's Michael Jordan. Like, this to me is, like, her husband cheated on her a bunch, and she got divorced and had to write romance novels. And she didn't write her, like, most influential thing until she was 50 years old. Like, that's so, I find this so, in an odd way, comforting and inspiring of, like, Maybe at fifty, I'll write a thing yeah. that will, like, completely change an aspect of the world forever that will make me suddenly like the expert on the thing. You know what I mean? Like,
0: wouldn't this- that be awesome?
1: Yes, it would be awesome. That would be amazing,
0: so the book etiquette was originally written for, you know, the newly rich who wanted to kind of live and entertain and speak like the wealthy. So, it was like um, a
1: guidebook more than it was, like an advice th- like this was like a how to of polite society,
0: certainly, yeah, yeah, well, because she didn't really start her newspaper column until later either, okay, um so it was almost like well, it wasn't quite a how to it was like an example book, right, because like
1: goof is and gallant. <laughs> Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, there was a character in it called Miss Three in One, who was a Wonder Woman who act, acted as cook, waitress, and charming hostess at small dinner parties. Okay. Right? So she kind of showed through example, which was a big thing for Emily Post. She had this character do the things that she wanted to instill in her readers.
1: So it was a lot more of like show and not tell. Exactly. Gotcha make it active rather than which was probably what helped make it so successful is that it was a lot easier to relate to a character rather than just like a list of rules and you know spouting off you know words it was instead more much more demonstrable ideas mm-hmm.
0: um and she actually updated that book meticulously updated that book um, twice a decade to keep it consistent with America's changing social landscape. So there have been lots of reiterations of this book, and I think up to eighty-nine printings.
1: Whoa, eighty-nine different. Pr- that's amazing. Yeah, we're gonna talk even more about the amazing, incredibly surprising Emily Post. But first, here's a word from some other Max Fun shows. Have you seen Happy Valley yet?
0: How do British people pronounce Edinburgh, Leicester or Norwich? Not like that.
1: Are you tired of getting your world news from reliable sources, often with no puns or sexual innuendo?
0: Why was there a butcher's hat haunting Coronation Street? What's Coronation Street and why is Dave Holmes obsessed with it? International Waters pairs a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture battle royale. Join us once a fortnight to hear the best comedians in
1: the world trade jokes and stories and maybe even learn something at the same time. International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts.
0: Good news, everyone. There are still a few tickets remaining for the London Podcast Festival, September 22nd through 26th. We've just announced a dazzling new addition to the Bullseye lineup sharon horgan creator and star of the hit shows pulling and catastrophe as well as a new show divorce which launches soon on hbo comedian josie long veep creator armando iannucci and musician romare round out the bullseye lineup but the fun doesn't stop there friends international waters and judge john hodgman tickets are still available too do not sleep on this feast your eyes on the juicy full lineup and grab your tickets right now at MaximumFun.org
1: Okay, we're back. So when we just left off, she had published her book about manners and stuff, and it was like a bestseller and everyone was like, that's super cool and you're super great and we love you very much. (laughs) And then what happened?
0: Well, um, About 10 years later, she started some radio programs, and that's when she started her daily columns. So Um, just to
1: keep track, this is like a 60-something. Yep. She became like a radio and advice phenomenon. Yep. Okay.
0: Uh, Her column was syndicated in about... 200 newspapers by 1932.
1: And at that point, that's all there was in the world. That was every (laughs) newspaper as far as I, Travis I am aware of. It seems a
0: lot, doesn't it? It
1: seems like a lot. There's, okay, probably not when you think that probably every newspaper, every like city, major city or slightly major city probably has their own newspaper. So maybe 200 isn't a lot, but it seems like a lot to me.
0: So at that point, that was when this whole kind of like advice column and and Emily Post as etiquette expert really solidified because that's when she had to start um an, a separate office to receive her mail. Um, and in 1946 was when she formed the Emily Post Institute.
1: So 46. So that's like about 73? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was kicking, like, she was doing great.
0: Yeah, I mean, she was always, like, according to her obituary, she remained very active throughout her life. She's dead? Yes, I told you that earlier. Oh, okay.
1: I was trying to make a joke.
0: She um, always got up early, um, but often answered her letters and wrote her daily column in bed before getting up. And then um, she would always come out and have a very public lunch around 1 (laughs) p.m., I
1: like that phrase, a very public lunch. So Look she, at this sandwich. Everybody, no, that's everybody, not,
0: check out my pickle. I'm having a soda. Now you know that's not what that means. I
1: know, but I wish that was it. She
0: went out. She got dressed. She went out every day to lunch, like in with the people, not like in her home, is mm-hmm. what that means.
1: I know. My way is funnier, though. Take a picture of these chips look at these chips you got i'm having a cookie i guess she was eating at subway in my fantasy that's what i'm picturing <laughs> that does
0: sound like i'm it, having sun it? chips all right um so then her institute was continued after her death in 1960 by her i believe granddaughter elizabeth Lindley post um, and then by the next one in line, Peggy Grayson Post.
1: So she passed away when she was 1960. So that would be, what, she was like 90? Almost 90?
0: I believe eight, late 80s, 86.
1: 86, depending on what year she was born.
0: Yeah, give or take. She
1: did great. She made it a good long time.
0: Totally did. So here are some, you know... Some descriptions of emily post some some very interesting tidbits,
1: yes, please give us the tidbits
0: um she was five foot nine, which is fairly tall for a woman of that age, um you know, the age right after the civil war of that
1: era of, not that, of that era not of her like yeah, you right. gotcha. that is
0: what I mean um and Has mostly been photographed with gray hair and blue eyes. I imagine that she probably wasn't born with gray hair. Um, But as we know, she really didn't come into the whole etiquette thing until like her 50s. Yeah. So it's possible she had grayed by then. Um, She disliked pretentious people. Dirty silver and hostesses who served themselves first
1: interesting i like that she i might be romanticizing this at this point but i have this image of her that she kind of strikes me as someone who's like here's all the how to here's how to do it now don't be pretentious about it is a really like i don't know it just seems like a good lesson to kind of follow of like know how to do it but don't look down your nose at people who don't know how to do it like Etiquette isn't about being better than everyone else. It's being the best you you can be.
0: And I think that that really does ring true, especially for Emily Post. Because in 1938, she spilled a spoonful of berries at a dinner of the Gourmet Society. um, And everyone else in the room exhibited flawless etiquette when they completely uh, pretended not to notice she spilt like a whole thing of berries, uh a spoonful it says, but
1: how big was that spoon? We'll never know, it perhaps could have been a ladle
0: quite large, and everyone just continued eating. Nobody said a word, and uh the press was not quite so accommodating. uh they did note the faux pas the next day in <laughs> in the papers, but Emily Post just is. Is quoted as laughing it off
1: yeah she's human everybody's human yeah. you know sometimes we talk about stuff and we talk about like the this is the general rule or this is like the expected etiquette and people like respond in on facebook and the twitter i'm like but what if this happens or what if what if i find myself in this situation and i can't do that thing and i think like in general it sounds like emily post is of this mind of like everybody's human like you you end up I don't want to attribute, I don't want to project my own thoughts and feelings on Emily Post, so I'll just say my own thoughts, which is like, if you know how to do a thing, you know what to do in case of, you know, emergency or necessity. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean like if you don't do that, you're a horrible, bad person and we don't want to, you know, associate with you.
0: We're all just doing the best we can.
1: And I've always thought that, like, especially as we started doing this show that the reason you learn this stuff, the reason you learn etiquette and manners is so that if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do, you have some kind of structure to fall back on where it's just like, well, I don't know what to do, so I know that I can politely ask, I can, you know, we talked about that in the dinners episode of like, mm-hmm. who do you ask, who do you talk to? Is it okay to check in with the host, that kind of thing? Yeah. Or it's like, yeah, and, and you know that stuff to fall back on, not so that you can like judge other people who don't know how to do it.
0: right? Um, and here are a couple of other questions that she was asked. Is dunking Donuts correct?
1: And do you like Dunkin'
0: Donuts? <laughs> no. Do you didn't. enjoy
1: Dunkin' that, Chinos? That wasn't part of it. Oh, okay. And
0: she answered, any place that would have donuts would be like a picnic where, short of smearing wet donuts from ear to ear, you could pretty much do as you pleased. You wouldn't <laughs> ha- <laughs> short of rubbing it all
1: over your face
0: (laughs) you wouldn't have donuts at a formal dinner anyway so I think that 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 is a really great kind of that's
1: that's so long form of like man I don't know just be cool (laughs) enjoy it where are you having donuts what are you talking about dunk away (laughs) yeah this isn't prison do whatever you want I like that short of smearing it ear to ear (laughs) I like that and that's what draws a smile on one's face.
0: And this was my favorite. Elbows on the table. Yes. Emily Post is actually quoted as saying, on the rule against elbows on the table while eating, if not using the arm as a lever, swinging a fork or spoon from plate to mouth, it really doesn't make much difference.
1: Boom. Boom.
0: She says etiquette, is the science of living. It embraces everything. It is the code of sportsmanship and honor. It is ethics.
1: That's really good. She really knew what she was talking about.
0: Yeah, I'd say. And what a turn of phrase.
1: It's really good.
0: So here are some very interesting facts from her biography, written by an author uh, last name Claridge. Her father participated in the building of the Statue of Liberty.
1: Whoa. And she
0: played inside the skeleton as a girl.
1: That's pretty fun. When you say participate, he probably wasn't like there welding and holding up pieces. He wasn't like, come on, boys, let's do this. As a
0: wealthy architect, he was probably an overseer type.
1: um, Yeah, he was probably much more on like the the desk side of it, standing there with big rolls of paper going, you guys are doing
0: great. But she did. She played inside the structure as a girl.
1: On top of it. That's the amazing thing. She bounced. No. She was there carrying S- sandwiches to the workers. In,
0: inside it. Inside.
1: That's why, you know that picture of the people sitting on girders? That small little girl at the end? That's Emily Post. Not a, not a lot of people know that.
0: Now you're just making stuff up.
1: I think that's true. No. Oh. Okay.
0: She was a banjoist. What, really? She played the banjo. She was considered one of the best banjoists in fashionable society when she was young. What? Totes. What? I know. That's awesome. She's great. She was a guest at Mark Twain's 70th birthday party. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> they- you are a guest. I really am. She has like a super cool life. As the
0: Brits would say, gobsmacked.
1: I am. I am. Zounds. Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: on that road trip I mentioned that she wrote about with her son cross country, um, one of the things that she wrote about were how terrible the roads were and how they kept getting constantly stuck in the mud.
1: So this was this was not a road trip like you and I took across the no. country. This was like early, 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 early days. I mean, it was in
0: 1915. Wow. Yeah. Um, her son was a, an American pilot during World War II. Yep. And he received a, an award for his service. The first edition of the Etiquette book um, was written out longhand, so by hand. It took her a year and a half. Um, when it was published in 1922, it was July of 1922,
1: it cost $4. Really? Yeah. Um, anybody who's interested in buying the
0: <laughs> my post-guide
1: now the most current edition uh, think more like textbook prices uh than four dollars it's very worth it though it's a huge volume i mean like we own a copy of it it's huge
0: it is it is very large um and there are statistics saying that that book etiquette um is the second most stolen book from public libraries what do you think the first one is the Bible? Yeah. Really? Totally. Don't steal the Bible. I, I guess people really need it. They need it. Don't steal the Bible. Don't steal books at all from well, libraries? Well, I mean, yeah, but
1: like the Bible is literally one that like most churches will just give you one.
0: I don't know. Like I said, they must really need it if I you're going to steal so. the Bible from...
1: Well, yeah, if you're going to steal anything. Yeah. Okay. Don't steal books. I And hey, don't steal books from libraries. They'll give them to you for extended periods of time.
0: You have to keep renewing them. Yeah, but like, don't
1: steal books.
0: I, I don't know what the statistics are as far as accidental stealing.
1: I do like, though, that the top, the top two most stolen books are the two books that would be the first ones to tell you that it is wrong to steal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Emily Post was against prohibition.
1: Good. That's a, good. I agree with you, Emily.
0: Well, that really, um, that seems- Hurt
1: society parties. How would you drink at a society party? I suppose
0: party? that's true, but it, it did, when I first read it, it did strike me as kind of a, huh, I would have thought the other way. Because, you know, drinking and drunkenness is something that leads to rudeness in people often. So I think that it would make sense had she been for prohibition. Mm-hmm but she was against it.
1: But see, I like that though because I look at it the other way around that it is impolite to tell others what not to do. It's one thing to control yourself. It is impolite to control others. And I'm I that's I'm going to project that onto Emily Post and assume that's why she was against it.
0: She always was about leading by example. Yeah. Um after World War II, she worked as a as one of a group of women to bring Jewish orphans to the United States.
1: she She's a, uh, really cool. Uh, she is really cool. I'm a big fan of Valley Post.
0: And as an older woman, she had an entire closet full of red shoes. Of red shoes? Red shoes. Just red. She loved red shoes, I guess. Okay. All right. So um, some notable descendants... Peggy Post is the wife of Emily's great-grandson, and she is the current spokeswoman for the Emily Post Institute, and she writes for Good Housekeeping Magazine, um, seceding her mother-in-law, who was Elizabeth Post, right? So we talked about Elizabeth a little earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Peter Post, Emily's great-grandson, writes the Sunday edition of the Boston Globe column, Etiquette at Work. Um, and he is authored. He authored the best-selling book Essential Manners for Men, and of Essential Manners for Couples.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah! I think we have Essential Manners for Couples.
0: I think we do. Um, Anna Post is Emily Post's great great granddaughter. She is the author of "Do I Have to Wear White?" Emily Post answers America's top wedding questions, as well as. Emily Post's Wedding Parties, Smart Ideas for Stylish Parties, From Engagement to Reception and Everything in Between. And she's the wedding etiquette expert for Brides.com. Wow. Uh, Lizzie Post, which is another one of Emily's great-great-granddaughters, is the first member of the fourth generation of Post's. Got it. Her book is titled How Do You Work This Life Thing? That's really good. I like that title. It's a little different from the other ones. But it's fun. Yeah. Um, She writes about being a 20-something person uh, and being, you know, an etiquette authority on her blog. And Anna and Lizzie co-authored a book called Great Get-Togethers, Casual Gatherings, and Elegant Parties at Home.
1: So they've done made it like a whole family there, thing. It huh? is a
0: family affair at the I bet their Post parties Institute. are
1: wonderful and pleasant and fun and lots of fun stories and they end and begin promptly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, here it is. Laura. That's her first name. Laura Claridge wrote the book addressing the topic of Emily Post, Daughter of the Gilded Age, Mistress of American Manners, which is the first full-length biography of the author. That's where all of those little tidbits I talked about came from. Gotcha. So a lot of this stuff is available on uh, the biography section of Emily Post Institute's website. And I really suggest that you go there. There's tons of stuff that I didn't cover. Her being an avid garden architect is one of them, and you can read about her garden projects. and.
1: I think it's just called architect.
0: <laughs> is it architect? hmm You're always great with the portmanteaus. I love
1: portmanteaus. I love them so much.
0: Um, and I also read a few sections from her beautifully written obituary in the New York Times. Um, so please go and look that up. Um, and... She really, I was just blown away with how full this woman's life was.
1: That's the thing. I think that there's so many characters and people from like history, even recent history, where they're known for like one thing, and then you do a little bit of research and you're like, "Huh." For example, did you know that Houdini, master escape artist and you know a magician, was the first person to fly in Australia? No. Yeah, he was obsessed with aviation, and no one had flown in Australia yet, so he, like, went down there and bought a plane, (laughs) like, specifically (laughs) was like, no one's flown in Australia? Okay, cool, I want to be the first person to fly, and, like, made a point to go do that so he could be in the record books as the first person to do a sustained flight in Australia.
0: Yeah, so, like, a lot of these people that are kind of icons of the American experience, we just know so little about them, and... You should really, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, do some digging on the Internet. And there's a wealth of information out there.
1: Uh, So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for Maximum Fun for hosting us on their site. They've got so many great shows on there. We just added a new one called the Dead Pilots Society. um, And it is they take pilots that didn't make it to air, but they have, um, you know, actors and, and people come in and perform them. The first episode is a uh, a pilot by Thomas Lennon and uh, Ben Garrett from the State and Reno Nine One One, and it's got like. Craig Kikowski and Paul F. Tompkins, Ben Schwartz, Janet Varney, um, and one of the guys heading up the whole project is Ben Blacker, who you may know as one of the writers and creators of Thrilling Adventure Hour. Um, so go check it out. It's really, really good. It's very fun, and I just I just love the concept in general. But there's a ton of other shows on Maximum Fun. They're all great. I'm a big fan of them. Um, and we also want to say thank you to you for listening This show would not exist without you, and we're very, very appreciative of you. If you like the show, please go onto iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, maybe, you know, tell a friend. It's very, very easy. Um, You just got to, you know, share something. We put the link up on Twitter. Every time a new episode goes up, we put it on Facebook. If you have anything you would like to comment on, you can go to that Facebook group and just search Schmanners. It's S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. Uh, and find the group, and then you know we'll post the episode and we can start a little comment chain after it. Um, you can also, as I said, follow us on Twitter, SchmanersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S-C-A-S-T. Email us, SchmanersCast at gmail.com. If you have any episode ideas, anything like that, any questions, anything. Um, every week when we have a normal topic episode, uh, we'll post the topic and you can ask questions about it and we'll answer them for you.
0: So uh, along with our cross-country move, uh, we did not quite have the time I would have liked to dedicate to thanking our lovely listeners for the things that they send us. So very quickly, I'd like to go through and do some of those on air. Um, Mandy and Gambit sent us a, a lovely picture and a note. Thank you to them. Rachel- Ga-
1: Gamba is a dog. Is a dog, Okay, yes. just to make that clear. <laughs> Gambe is a dog.
0: Thank you to Rachel Stiles. Uh, she sent us some handmade monster booties for our upcoming edition. Um, Jessica Haggett sent us a lovely letter. Brian Cl- uh, Gline sent us a copy of a children's book that he wrote. That was wonderful. Thank you very much. Britt Treschel and Max... Sorry, Matt Miller sent us a postcard. We always love receiving those. Thank you. Um, we got a graduation announcement from Juniper. Congratulations on your recent graduation, and thank you for sending that. We got a postcard from Caroline. Thank you very much. And um, we also got a postcard from Cody and Amanda. We recently received some lovely framed photographs Um Do you know who those are from?
1: I don't because I'm the worst and I didn't save the package, but they are lovely. And one of them might have made its way into the My Brother, My Brother and Me show.
0: I will continue to sleuth that out. So whoever sent those to us, thank you very much. They are lovely.
1: Um. We, so because we are in a period of transition, we no longer have our P.O. box, but we are in Huntington and we will be close to Huntington for the foreseeable future. So if you have anything you would like to send in for the show or for our on would you, upcoming edition, yes. that's better than oncoming spawn, which is what <laughs> I've been calling her. Um, anything you'd like to send, you can send it to P.O. Box 54 Huntington, West Virginia, 25706. Um, and, and that will make its way to us eventually. Uh, So I think that's going to do it for us Join us again next week
0: No RSVP required
1: You've been listening to Schmanners
0: Schmanners, Schmanners, get it?